why does Miss Incredible have that fucking jiggly wiggly but donk a donk ass like she Which has a it makes a no truck. sense and the crazy thing is is she has she's the she has the ability to stretch in any shape she wants yeah. which so means she's she choos- actively choosing <laughs> to have that she's choosing that I'm Hal. And I'm Pax. And this is season two of Brotakus, the show where two guys who love anime do a deep dive on what is and isn't worth watching. We believe you don't need a major in anime studies to enjoy this wild, beautiful, and strange art form. And we're lucky to have you on this journey with us. Everyone, welcome to season two. Guys, we are so excited to be starting off the new year with a brand new season of crazy episodes. We've got a lot of zany, zany things coming up. But first, um, a shout out to all of our fellow Brotakus out there. We really appreciate your support. And we wouldn't have a show if not for you. Uh, And if you'd like us to review your favorite anime or your favorite manga, just leave us a comment on Facebook or even send us an email. Everybody, welcome to Brotaku's Shippuden, motherfucker. Welcome yeah. to Brotaku's Shippuden. We have aged two years from 13 to 15. Mm-hmm. I am now dressed up in a in a uh, kind of thigh-high socks and a super short miniskirt. My tits have grown 14 sizes like I was the Grinch on Christmas Day, but the titty version. I now have activated extra bloodline techniques. I have a new character redesign, and my sleeves are puffier. You can tell I've powered up in the meantime. Hell, how, how, how does how, how does your OC look right now? Uh, I look pretty much the same, except I finally have a Bankai. <laughs> did they run? Did they run out of budget as they were re, as they were giving you your time skip outfit? Yeah, they were kind of like oh, nothing's really changed. He just has like a, a, a better self behind him now. Like I, I have a stand now. Um, but Do you I have like one inexplicable scar? Yes, just like a star shape on the back of my neck. I don't know. I think the doctor said it was fine. Sick. The story will probably come out in like a 20 chapter long flashback session in a few months. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I'm not we'll going to say the... anything about it until I'm in a fight with the antagonist. Right, absolutely. But the antagonist will constantly be saying stuff like, oh no, he has the star. Oh right, God. Right, right. And then the next villain like, oh no, the mock of the star clan. And, you know, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll leave the drips and traps out there. Um, Hal, how, how are you doing today? How are you doing today? It's been a minute. Doing great. Doing great. It's been a hot minute since we've recorded, but I'm so excited to get back into it because uh, we've got a really, really cool topic lined up for the day. Something that I am um, so excited. <laughs> this was something where, like, real, real talk. When we first talked about it, I'm like, "Oh, is this just going to be us like listing off our favorites? How are we going to do this?" But like, we have a really special episode in store for you today, and I think you're going to find the topic really, really interesting. So, uh, how are we talking about today? So, we all have that special someone in our favorite stories that someone that makes our hearts race makes sweat start beating out across our foreheads like goku before he fights his grandfather in dragon ball evolution um and that someone is it can be anyone from like the beautiful girl who is helping the protagonist on his quest to retrieve the ancient sword of the mankubai or it could just be like the little fucking gremlin that like no one appreciates but like man you love them uh, mm. and 
The moaning myrtle. The type. moaning myrtle, you might say. <laughs> and there's a specific term for all of these characters, regardless of who you are and who they are, and they are waifus and husbandos. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, the term waifu is a term that is used prevalently uh, in the manga, cartoon, video game fandom. Uh, the original word comes from the katakana word for wife. Uh, katakana is kind of the um, kanji spelling out of like a westernized word in Japanese text, which kind of translates roughly to waifu. Uh, however, Japanese speakers will not use that word unless they get like brain poisoned from online like manga and stuff, which happens. It's, you know, like, you know, we get the culture, we pass it back, you know, the great filter. But the actual um, real Japanese word for wife is suma or sai. Um, wife is used to refer to a fictional girl or fictional woman uh, that you have sexual attraction to and that you would even marry if only she were real. And so I uh, remember like waifu and suma are completely different. Waifu is a joke word that anime fans call fictional female characters that they love and would marry. Maybe hypothetically your suma is your real wife. That's the real Japanese word for wife. <laughs> so. your, suma, your suma probably isn't the biggest fan of your waifu. We could probably just, <laughs> Unless you have a down bitch for a Suma. Yeah. If you have someone who's so down and is like, have your waifu go explore, be free. That's the ideal. That's the, that's the, that's the, real, that's the real bad Suma. And, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like everyone has like a, a, certain, a certain list of their own sort of waifus and husbandos, whether they admit it or not. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I... And even I, if you're just getting into anime, as we're going to talk about later, you probably do have one without even realizing. Yeah, you definitely do. Yeah. Uh, if you've seen any of them and you ever thought to yourself, okay, they're... they're, they're wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, whoa. Huh. Ooh. 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 Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, then you God, definitely already have a waifu or a husbando. Pax... I know this is a lot to ask, but yeah, I, I mean, do you have a list that you're willing to share? You know what? I might have prepared a little something. Do you have a similar list, Hal? Or I, bear and contrast? I mean, I mean, I'll have to go get my diary, but. Okay. Okay. Sick. Well, in the meantime, I will start us off. Uh, one, one of my, one of my go-to waifus is a uh, Ryuko Matoi from Kill a Kill. The girl who runs around with the scissors in the sexy outfit, who sacrifices her own blood and strength to take down the goddamn, uh, uh, uh clothes fascists with the help of nudist beach. Uh, Ryuko is dope. And, uh, I like I like I like a spicy I like a spicy saucy bitch in my life and so uh, Ryuko is on my list. What about you, brother? I hate you. I hate you because Ryuko no is also on my list. <laughs> <laughs> yes, She's yes, also true. on my list. The fire, the fire, and just like like just the the fierce determination in this girl is incredible and she's fighting with this fucking outfit she's slashing people's clothes collecting fibers getting vengeance but since it's on your list i have a few others that i want to choose from hit me hit me um, we love strong women here at brotakus as well we love strong women here at yeah. brotakus and um i gotta say one of the other ones uh saris victoria from helsing ultimate oh wait like a uh, is that is that the big big titty cop big tittied police girl oh love dude. her she is awesome. And like yeah. the, her character evolution is so amazing. And she like delves into vampirism. Like, well, okay, what do you like about her? What do you like about her? I like her for a number of reasons. I mean, like, here's the thing. In Helsing Ultimate, where it's just like, the first time you meet Sirius Victoria, there's like a vampire who is like about to, he, he's murdered her entire village. And he's just like, ha I'm going to kill you. And then I'm going to ravage you. And, and then Dracula kills him and almost subsequently her. Um, 
And I feel like like such a it's such like a awful introduction to a character, but eventually she just like boom climbs up the yeah. ranks, fucks it yeah. up, becomes like a full fledged vampire, has so like cool. a fucking like anti tank cannon that she wields with one hand. It's pretty badass. Um, and also you're with Dracula half the time. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I gotta rep some husbandos. I love mm. uh, Kiritsugu from uh, Fate Zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kiritsugu is like a cool assassin and mage killer who's also a mage himself. He's like the protagonist of that uh, show, even though it is like more an ensemble show. But what I like about him, I mean, one, Matt Mercer voices him in the dub. Who could say no to that? But he mm-hmm. is just brooding and intelligent and willing to make sacrifices for the greater good. And he would kill me in a second if it would save two more lives. And that's the type of that's the type of trolley problem ass solving motherfucker that I need in my life. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm shouting out Daddy Kiritsugu from the Husbando side. Oh, well, you know, I was going to rep Husbandos on my next choice, too. And honestly... Caesar Zeppeli from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure what Part a great Two. Choice. Caesar oh Zeppeli. God. What a smooth, smooth criminal! Oh man! Not only, not only is he one of the most um, emotionally engaging characters in the show, and he's side by side with Joseph Joestar. Someone has to be the straight man here amidst all of this zaniness, and I feel like he does it so well. But he's got the bubbles. He's got like all these bubble techniques. He's constant. You know, he's clean all the time. <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh God, and he's dressed, <laughs> he, he is dressed in the nines all the time. He's got style, flair, and he makes the ultimate sacrifice. Hell yeah. And you know that like, man, that honor that drives him forward to avenge his family and just like uphold that family tradition of dying for the greater good. Probably horrible in a relationship, but I would fall in a second. Oh, me too. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. Uh, do, you, do you have one more? How many more you got? I've got two more, but I'll only share one. I have one more that I won't share until the very end. Okay. Sounds good. So um, I'll do I'll do my last one and then I'll give it to you. Uh, okay. So for me, pass I love Ro- honorable mentions, Robin from One Piece. We love the smorts. Uh, Victor uh, Nikiforov from Yuri on Ice. Uh, super just... Gay, fantastic ice skater. I love you, Victor. But um, someone who always stuck with me is a guy named Kanji Tatsumi, who's from the game Persona 4. Oh, and okay, Kan- yeah. Yeah, and in Persona 4, there is this system in which, like, there's something called, like, the it's like the the midnight hour or basically every night um you the 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 main crew of like investigating teens goes into like a a shadow version of somebody's psyche uh discovers like their shadow uh version that's like hiding something and is all evil and defeats the shadow and in doing so helps the person like overcome trauma and stuff and kanji is a dude who like goes to your same school and like kanji is like the traditional like uh bully type he's got his hair slicked back he's all cool and like he's just you know a strong ass dude and as he joins the 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 party you eventually go into kanji's shadow realm and when you come out to him his whole like shadow world is like a sauna and you come across his shadow version which is him in with like a a towel wrapped around his uh his 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 dick and he, he just comes out and goes hey there everybody how are we doing today are we having welcome to the spa and he has this like extremely like homophobic kind of construction in his shadow who's just like this creepy like gay terrible stereotype predator and as you go through this you discover that like his father was extremely abusive and taught him like what a real man needs to be and how a real man needs to act and he 
had suppressed who he was his entire life as like just a, a, a gay human being. And it comes out in this extremely like violent, twisted, like sadistic manifestation in his shadow world. And so as you help him process his trauma and come to terms with himself, by the time he exits, he doesn't act any different. He still is who he is, but he is just unleashed and loving and he's still the same guy. It's just, he likes the dick now a little bit and he's willing yeah. to talk about it. And he just becomes like one of the realest homies in the game. He's so loyal. So strong, so nice. Shout out Kanji Tatsumi. That's so cool. I love yeah. that. The Persona games are so good. Play the Persona. Oh games. my god, I haven't played Persona. Play Persona well, I'm gonna games. play Persona. I'm gonna play Persona now. Um, yeah. So my my next pick is. I feel like everyone's kind of thought this. If you've seen this man, you've had this thought, and it is Kakashi Hatake from Naruto. Oh, yes, Kakashi yes. Hatake. There is not a sexier man in any series I've ever watched, in my Facts. opinion. True. Like, just, you don't even see half his face most of the time, and you know he's fucking hot. You just know it. <laughs> like, I can barely, I'm imagining most of you, but I know you're gorgeous. And I he's know. like, he's he's such like a, a, a daddy for the kids, like, like Team 7. He's always there. He's always protecting them. He's teaching them new techniques. He teaches them how to be a team. He like becomes the fucking Hokage. Um, and the whole time he's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll do this. I'm competent in literally every way, but um, I'll pass a torch on when, uh, when someone else is suitable, you know? Hell he's yeah. just so low-key, so chill, and he's one of the most badass ninja out there. I love Kakashi Hatake. That is a fantastic choice, man. Kakashi is absolutely daddy. However, getting deeper into this episode, this is mm. not just something where we're going to be listing off all the characters that we're horned up for. There is actually a really dark side of the waifu discourse. There are uh, some some unhealthy parasocial relationships going on here, and some really complicated things that give us into a peek, give us a peek into some really fucked up parts of human nature. And uh, as your local uh, gender studies major, an individual who's researched some of this, uh, we're gonna kind of have some conversations about the the dark side of the waifu discourse. Sound good to you, Hal? Ooh, let's go down this rabbit hole. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And we're back. And we're back. So, Hal, to kind of get us started into diving deeper down the waifu hole, getting whole just like last episode, right. we're all in the hole now. <laughs> um, let's kind of make the bridge for people who are maybe like uh, less less uh, weeb, weebs than we are, who, who are less weebish. Okay. Weebesque? Weebesque. We I was going to say weebesque. Weebesque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... If you think like, oh man, forming a relationship with like a 2D anime bitch, I don't know. That sounds kind of unrelatable. Uh, you're wrong because we have a long, rich history of all American waifus that you may not Ooh, realize. And in fact, yeah. for most of us, 
these waifus came before we even heard of anime. I'm talking about like if you're a young homie, you're watching Kim Possible and Kim Possible is so cool. And then freaking Shigo comes on and it's like, oh, my God, Shigo watching Avatar The Last Airbender. You're looking at Ty Lee, Azula, Katara, uh, the moon girl, uh, uh, all these amazing people. Um, can you think of any American waifus from when you were growing up? Little objects for me, of, of for burgeoning me, love. Raven and Starfire from Teen Titans. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. And, and I could never tell you which one I loved more, but I'm pretty sure it was Raven. Pretty sure it me, was Raven. Exactly me too. Exactly that's where, me too. That's where I first looked and I was like, I think I love you, but I don't know how to deal with these feelings. Because at that point I was, I don't know, like 10. So No, for sure. It's just these like weird little inklings you get like, I was um, just like everyone Whoa. from like everyone from Danny Phantom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah. You mentioned Sam from Danny Phantom? Yep. Loved Sam. Sam was amazing in Danny Phantom. There was this whole like train of like the hot like goth girl in these shows mm-hmm. that I'm thinking of, which was like mm-hmm. really, really popular. And like even people where you might think like that it might be a strange show to grow attached with. Like I know people who really love like Frankie from Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Uh-huh. I yeah, know, yeah, I, know I know a lot of people who mentioned like Totally Spies. That was one that was yeah, really, really yeah, big. Yeah, to- I even know uh, one homie who who developed a, a a quite intense like strange feeling relationship to Vicky from Fairly Odd Parents, which is <laughs> maybe someone who also had a mean babysitter. I was gonna I say that's, that that can get dark really fast. I feel like there are some levels there, but. I love yeah, it. Yeah, there's some levels there. And I remember the first time I saw and people thought I was crazy when I was young when I I, I saw uh, the Incredibles and I was like, why does Miss Incredible have that fucking jiggly wiggly but donka donk ass like she has a it makes no sense and the crazy thing is is she has she's the she has the ability to stretch in any shape she wants which means she's actively choosing (laughs) to have that she's choosing that honestly i feel like the fact that she is choosing to maintain this shape speaks less to to who she is and more to what mr incredible is about yeah totally and like not gonna lie as an adult like the idea of being like the strongest guy in the world and like the wife with like the rubber punani vajani the one who cannot break under you a little that's hot. perfect <laughs> it's a little I hot about that. wow yeah yeah dude yeah. the way that he runs through those like five doors at the beginning like, like boom, of his office boom boom yeah. yeah, now just imagine that like you're in front of him on him and he's holding you up with one hand, putting you through seven <laughs> seven walls. Jesus, <laughs> we're getting a little horned up on the Brotakus today. But so, so as we're talking about these things and like, I don't care who you are, you had some type of like character, at least probably, I don't want to speak to you. We might have some like ace people here, but like forming these like parasocial relationships with uh, characters. And I kind of want to talk about a a kind of like, pedagogical deep dive into how people market waifus because um uh much in the same way that people form uh, these parasocial relationships with like celebrities and they will talk about like celebrity personalities look at them in the tabloids follow them on twitter start forming this idea of who they are in their head or imagining having sex with these people looking at deep fakes of them online so too do they with the kind of like waifus and disney has not uh yet responded to my letters to make a a full uh uh, uh 3d reenactment of this of the mr and mrs incredible through the wall scene which is I, uh, which just means they're cowards but but yeah yeah, yeah. and so so <laughs> mickey i know you're listening yeah <laughs> you're not slick <laughs> um but here's the thing 
If I wanted to see that, I almost definitely could because of how people commoditize waifu Ooh, culture. Okay. Yeah. Tell me and more. So, so there's like traditional merchandise where like, you know, uh, the, the companies will like if if you're an a- anime company and you have a great uh, uh, waifu on your hand, you have uh, uh, like the, the main girl from Darling and the Franks or uh, any mm. of these shows where uh, One Piece, any Bleach, Naruto, the figurines of these characters, mouse pads that ha- have the character's face with like big titties as the ergonomic wrist said. Um, there are titty mouse pads. Um but also uh, posters of the character, visual novels with them, you know, e- extra material with them. That stuff is out there and that stuff is legal merchandise. But here is the fascinating kind of like twist on things that uh, w- when uh, Anna and I last episode jokingly referred to uh, ourselves as the hotakus and the doujinshis, what is a doujinshi? So a doujinshi is the term for a fan manga, essentially a fan comic of popular characters usually or at least oftentimes fucking the shit out of each other just sucking and fucking and licking yeah okay and so there is some vanilla and like softcore doujinshi that is just like okay well like like say it was before naruto and hinata got together Uh or say that you don't agree with that ship it's basically just comic fan fiction so like if you Hmm. wanted to see uh, harry potter x hermione you you could find a fan comic out there of like what if they actually dated now what if they had like really sweet like sex and you know they 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 had their first time together and you explored this kind of like ooh romantic like perverted take on it and then say you wanted to find a comic of Hermione in uh, the Philosopher's Stone being thrown into like the plant tentacle pit <laughs> and uh, you know you could imagine what happens there you, so too can you find that and so for every anime you have. Um, there are many doujinshi and conventions at which like doujin artists will come with printed out copies of their doujins to sell their kind of porno mags so of their favorite thus, characters. Thus rule 34, correct? Is that exactly. right? Exactly. Exactly. Thus rule 34. Thus those weird ads of like Simpsons characters fucking each other on like Pornhub. Yeah. Or things like that. And, and the West has been experimenting with this too. When I was young, I went on newgrounds.com, which is like a, f- a website with flash cartoons and they had a mature section. Ooh. And dude, if I don't tell you when I was 12 and I found like a porn parody of Starfire <laughs> like on there. I mean, that, yeah, <laughs> that set me on the path. If it wasn't for Newgrounds, there probably wouldn't be a Brotakus. I wouldn't have become a, a brain poisoned in the same way. <laughs> but so the actual field of jo- specifically Japanese doujinshi in the waifu discourse is fucking fascinating because when I talk with you about like um, how do these porno artists in America like make money? What are you allowed to sell? Mm. So in America. It's legal to accept um, a commission for a specific lewd drawing. So if you're an artist and someone says like, hey, I want to, uh, I want to commission you to draw um, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire and the genie nailing each other, like the genie from Aladdin nailing each other. I want to see a Robin Williams on Robin Williams fuck fest. It's legal to commission a specific lewd drawing from an artist for your own use. But it is not legal to specifically sell the porn or copies of the porn because most U.S. courts have determined that it doesn't fall under parody. Uh, uh, it doesn't fall under these things. And so you could still draw them and put them online. Um, you just can't sell them. So you can draw as much free porno as you want and put it out there. And it could be parody as long as you're not profiting off it. There's no actionable uh, item there. And Unless so it's to an make- individual. Exactly. And so here's how you get around it. Mm. 
So it's legal to commission something, um, but it's not legal to specifically sell porn. So how most artists here in the U.S. and in Japan do it is they can you can set up a monthly commission as an artist. So on Patreon, there are dozens and dozens of accounts where they say, hey, it would be illegal for me to say I have this digital copy of a uh, of uh, Lady and the Tramp as humanoids, <laughs> werewolves, but you know whatever. <laughs> it would be illegal to be like uh, for five dollars you could look at this photo, specifically this one, as a transaction. But it's not illegal to say, well, I'm just a simple country artist drawing bimbo fied versions of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles getting nasty in the sewer. I'm just a simple country folk, and I do that out of passion. Now, I sure would like to eat, and so if you would like to support me as an individual, as an artist, you can send $5 a month to my Patreon. And it just so happens that on that Patreon, I'll be cranking out monthly pictures of every one of the witches from Winx, (laughs) you know, (laughs) on top of each other and inside of each other, sucking and fucking. And it just so happens that you'll gain access to this, like, Patreon-exclusive feed of the Fuckfest. Or, uh, or I'll put this out for free, but if you want to do some more things and gain the ability to commission from me, you can support me as an artist, not tied to a specific thing. So mm-hmm. this is a weird, this is a weird go around. Um, however, in Japan, it's different. There is a specific uh, legal idea in Japan called Antrags uh, Delicate, Antrags uh, Delicate, which means that if the copyright holder doesn't complain about it, then it's not illegal. Then it's not illegal. So essentially the copyright holders could start complaining about it, but they choose not to. And why they choose not to. Because then they'd have to acknowledge that it exists. (laughs) Not only would they have to acknowledge that it exists, but Hal, I want you to tell me, what was that interesting fact about the creator of Food Wars? He was originally a porn artist. He was originally a porn artist. He was originally drawing doujins of other popular manga. Most publishers in Japan don't prohibit doujinshi, at least not explicitly, thus it's not illegal, because many commercial manga authors also create doujin to supplement their income or while they're in between publications. And publishers hire manga authors from Kamaket, which is a huge comic convention in Japan, so they're in the same ecosystem. If publishers prohibit doujinshi, it also would like kill up-and-coming manga authors. It's a very common thing to go from Whoa. one to the other. Yeah. Okay. It's like a graduation crazy, ceremony. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, all right, you can have in- your own anime, you can have your own manga kid, but uh, <laughs> but first, um, I'm going to need uh, 10 issues of uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks going just fucking at it. Like, I'm going to need to see that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you've sufficiently proved your popularity. Like, wow, your your image of you know M- Mega Man, uh, Mega Man and Sonic the Hedgehog uh, series is so beautifully drawn. We love it. Do you have an original story you'd like to tell with the same <laughs> effect? And this can kind of be why this is part of the vast reasoning why the images of women in manga is a little fucked up. Is <laughs> a little yes. fucked up. Oh my yeah. gosh, it all makes sense now. I know, right? And it so when you understand, adds up. It's like it's like unlocking the door here. And in America, the culture is really, really different because, um, for instance, Blizzard has a popular game called Overwatch. Have you played Overwatch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't played it, but I know it. Gotcha. So there are drawn porn parodies of the Overwatch characters because they give so everyone is so juicy in the Overwatch universe. Okay. They, they make some hot characters. But um, it was a unprecedented thing where Blizzard actually issued a cease and desist because people were using the actual 3D character models in the game. They were ripping the rigging of those character models to make their porn parodies. 
and to make their kind of like 3D videos. Because if you search Overwatch on Pornhub, it's actually one of the most popular categories. Because even if you're like a young adult in your 20s or like in your teens, imagine like the accessibility that didn't exist when we were young of like, is there a high quality and voice acted recreation of a Tracer and a Widow maker from Overwatch uh, having, you know, eating each other out? Yeah, there is. If you want stuff with both of them having penises as well, there's that. There's every oh my God. fetish. And Blizzard issued an unprecedented cease and desist being like, hey, you're using our actual assets to make this. And so we'll go after you because you're specifically using these assets so it's a weird thing and yet Whoa. this stuff is still getting cranked out it is still a complicated you know oh underground thing oh my but, gosh yeah but that's why it's kind of like um uh, flourished in japan and kind of died off here in the west and so already the the economics of this are really fascinating so it's really not it's really not an issue of morals or ethics it's a matter of just money yeah it's all about filling your wallet on both sides it's not even like like someone sitting in their basement being like, hey, I'm going to try some nice porn from Danny Phantom today. That's what I'm going to do. No, it's it's really just like I have this ability to draw. I, I'm trying to become an accomplished artist. Um, and there's a really there's always, always a really high demand for lewd drawings and pornography. That's exactly it, man. That's exactly it. And all all Twitter artists, Instagram artists, they'll tell you. When they're trying to get their work out there, their original content will get jack shit. It'll get nothing. But what we'll get a lot is not even like a, a lewd draw. There's a lot of fan art of Hades characters out there. And here's the thing. If you're in the market of like selling your own characters and like your own original content or getting commissions, how you get eyes on those com- on, on your commission ability, how you get people to pay you to make stuff is by blowing stuff up with fan art. And saying, hey, here's a fan drawing of Aphrodite hanging out with uh, 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 Dionysus in Hades. Here's some fan art of these Disney characters. Not necessarily looted. You know, some people are in the the business of looking for those Rule 34 things. But oftentimes just, hey, here's this stuff that's uh, that, that's beautiful. And look at my right. other art if you like my style. Or you want to commission something. You want to commission your D&D character a different thing. Put some bread on my table. There you go. Absolutely. And 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 that's I feel like the the supply and demand of of lewd drawings and pornography for like waifus and husbandos I feel like that really really relates to how people respond to waifus and husbandos yeah. now yeah. you know I feel like it's a really good way to to look at the sort of relationships that people have with characters that are created by other people, but, but they don't actually have that relationship with other people, you know, like they create yeah. these things, these, these ideas of who these people are. And, um, and, and I know that you mentioned the words parasocial attraction yeah. earlier. Yeah. And, and, and what, what does that mean necessarily? Yeah. So a parasocial relationship is something where, um, say you're a, say you're a YouTube blogger, yeah. vlogger, and you're making a lot of, uh, money from your fans and you are trying as much as you can to foster a sense of authenticity, a sense that these people really know you, a sense that they understand your life and your struggles. And that might be true to an extent, 
But as actors, especially, we both very much understand the idea of, you know, presenting an artifice or just of uh, your relationship with your audience being different than, (laughs) you know, your relationship with your friends. But here's the weird thing. So a parasocial attraction is kind of like an attraction or a relationship you have with the idea of somebody or the fantasy or dream that you draw from your interpretation of how they are presenting. And so if you... You might have a negative parasocial relationship like a uh, Gamergate people had with Anita Sarkeesian. They created like this feminist demon social justice warrior in their heads and they went after her. And their parasocial relationship uh, or parasocial relationship with AOC, you know, mm. like, hey, he, who is this Puerto Rican devil, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, who's going to burn down the Congress? It can get negative. But thing is, too, these parasocial relationships are things that we kind of form even with significant others like – as much as we want to know people intimately, do we ever really know the people who we are in a relate? Like, like well, what what level of artifice do we have with all of our relationships? I don't know. What's your perspective on that? Well, I mean, I think that that's what attracts you to someone in the first place. <sighs> oh, that's a good point. You know, your that's first impression, like, like that's what they say. First impressions are so important because you immediately create an entire person in front of you. Your brain extrapolates from the missing data. That is from like what is presented in front of it. And you create this idea of what this person might be like, even though you only spoke to them for like 30 seconds. Um, And of course, that's what makes you want to talk to them. That's what makes you want to get to know them. And when you get to know them and you find that there are some like incongruencies with what you dreamt they would be and what they actually are, sometimes you choose one over the other. Yeah. Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. Um, and, and this can be something where, you know, it, it could be room for self-growth. Like maybe you've made someone out to be something they're not and it's not fair to the other person. Or maybe the other person is treating you worse than you're, you know, imagining mm-hmm. that they are. And that could be complicated too. But in talking specifically about these relationships formed with like waifus and like this is my waifu. This is something I would – this is someone I would marry in real life. It's natural to have a waifu. It's natural to be like, oh, if only that person was real. Because you could do that with stuff that's like 3D too. Like um, uh, uh, for me um, – oh, God, who's the main woman uh, – Furiosa in Mad Max Fury Road is like <laughs> – I guess would be an example of a 3D waifu where I want Furiosa to protect me. Um, um, but, but, you know, and that's a normal thing. And so in terms of like, you know, the difference here is, you know, 2D or 3D. And yet it can get a little more complicated. Because I think that something we wanted to touch on here is the fact that now more than ever, I think we could be primed to have an unhealthy relationship with our waifus. And it might lead to kind of a perpetual adolescence, mm-hmm. maybe, among some people. And so one phenomenon in Japan is called uh, the hikikomori. And so the hikikomori is both the... Um, is both the name for the phenomenon and for the specific people taking place uh, in Japan. Um, it's the Japanese like phrase for pulling inward, being ref- confined. Uh, it's total withdrawal from society, seeking extreme degrees of social isolation and, and confinement. And so uh, estimates suggest that anywhere from half a million to a million young Japanese uh, youths. Yeah, no, it's a full blown social crisis in Japan. It's a full blown social crisis. 
and you can see like hikikomori in anime uh, uh there there's specific criteria which are spending most of the day and nearly every day confined to home marked and persistent avoidance of social situations and social relationships social withdrawal symptoms signifying functional impairment needs to last at least six months and five, no apparent physical or mental etiology to account for the social withdrawal symptoms. And that's the scariest one. Because if you don't have a physical or mental etiology or kind of like a, some some type of like, not a comorbidity, but like a specific reason that they can pinpoint for this extreme social withdrawal, then you can kind of see why this is a social crisis in Japan. Um, and they are uh, referring to these people as like first generation hikikomori because something that the government is really afraid of is they cite that one and a half million people are on the verge of becoming becoming hikikomori. And they're really concerned about what they call the 2030 problem, when hikikomori will reach their 60s and their parents who take care of them will begin to die. And some of them might be self-sufficient, fewer of them have jobs, but it's like, what do you do with these people who are completely ostracized from society? Oh and a lot of times their full kind of like internal fantasy life will be supplemented by their relationship with their waifus where they might not talk to girls or in real life. And there's, there's female hikikomoris, but they have their husbandus and their waifos. They have the little figurine that they might talk to on their shelf. And like, <sighs> man, I don't know. This shit's dark, dude. We're, we're talking about some serious stuff, but like in America, I think more so than ever, we kind of live in like an age of loneliness. You know, like, I of think, course, and, and yeah, that's, so, so, that's only exacerbated yeah. by the fact that we're living in a pandemic at the moment. Um, sure. not, not to kick it, not to kick a dead horse, but I, I really feel as though with the, the availability that we have, um, on our phones and on our laptops, somehow that's managed to isolate us even more because it, yeah. it not only does it make us more available to each other, but it also makes our judgments more available to each other. It makes like our <sighs> stigmas, yeah. um, it makes us feel more free to to just kind of send our our stigmas out into the void, like like pulling a hand grenade into a crowded room and just shutting the door. Um, like that's really what it feels like nowadays. And I feel like the reason people are so vocal on on social media or or um, the feel the need to express themselves in that way is because they truly do feel isolated and they feel like they're just screaming into this empty void. And and the only response they get are these words on a screen. Um, without any real human voice. Uh, and, and that's, that's heartbreaking, but it, but it, I feel like it's something that we're all living right now. Um, maybe not all of us. I can't speak for everybody. You know, some people are really on their shit. Like, do I think that, you know, Ariana Grande is living this fucking life right now? No, I probably don't, but I could be totally wrong. Um, yeah. and, and not only that, but it, it, how, how do you leave that state of, of loneliness? How do you, how do you extricate yourself from this age of loneliness? That's yeah. the question, right? Yeah. And and this loneliness can be, you know, there, there's a whole thing of like, do you direct your pain inwards or outwards, you know, mm. towards yourself or towards other people? And um, I think that th this, is, this is distinctly different because a lot of hikikomori don't interact with homies at all or only through forums or online voice chats, maybe. But the American kind of, I guess, similar phenomenon because there there are there are kind of american hikikomori there's some people who find it and like fetishize the lifestyle the kind of hermetic lifestyle and maybe the hermetic lifestyle is appropriate for some people you know and they they want to just live that way go ahead but here's the thing are you causing harm to others and i think a american phenomenon that is 
comparable to this is the phenomenon of the incel. Ah, yeah. Yeah. The involuntary celibate. So. Yeah. And and to be honest, um, I hadn't really known much about the term, just the phrase incel. Um, Just be, I I had only seen it used ironically. Um, All right. I only seen it used as an insult, not as something as like an actual noun. Um, yeah, it's almost like a cuck where it's like you'll see cuck thrown around a lot without really getting like, right, without, full, like, me without knowing, knowing about what, really what the means. cuck lifestyle is. Right, 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 right. You can you can talk the talk, but can you walk the cuck walk? Is, is yeah, the can question. you really hot wife your way through you know all the hot young studs on the Miami Shore? <laughs> right, right. Um, and oh, and I, the involuntary celibates. Um, I find this such like a a strange twisty phenomena. Um, because it takes so many lefts and rights between like uh, reasoning, like like roads of reasoning, like how we Ooh, got to where we yeah, are and yeah. what we're going to do about it now and who is to blame for this. Um, I think it's like the evilest worldview that I also have the most amount of empathy for. Like, if that makes sense. It's like yeah, there are evil words. Like if you're talking like white supremacy and like intense stuff like that, it's things where it's like there's very little reason where I'm like... Man, you, I, I guess your factory, you did lose your factory job, so I get why you're burning the cross. It's like, Here's I feel none of that. There are a lot of anime villains that if you were to really look at them, I really feel as though they would qualify as incels. I feel as though they'd identify <laughs> like, um, like, like, like pain from Naruto, like soon oh. all will know pain. Like, man, fuck you. You're emo. Oh my God. Like, get out of my <laughs> pain, face. Like, pain is an incel. I think pain is an incel. <laughs> That's a great thing. <laughs> oh, God. You're totally right. Um, I think Orochimaru is a pickup artist. I think he's that dude who's reading the books about how to be like uh, hitting women up at the bar and Absolutely. saying uncomfortable things. He did it with, the, with the Uchihas. <laughs> that was his thing. Uh, uh, Sasuke oh. was the girl. Sasuke was the white girl at the bar. And Orochimaru was like Chad, the frat boy coming over to, to make his way. <sighs> Under God. that kimono. So, uh, moving away from this, I think, talking more directly about uh, the incel themselves, like the Western incel. These are people who, uh, in, in unpacking the term involuntary celibate, they're individuals who they might find themselves like fixating on certain physical inadequacies. So maybe I am like, too short for a guy, overweight, have acne, I'm not athletic, or it dives into like phrenology too. Like, oh, well, there's the optimal Chad, the alpha male who mm-hmm. has the the jawline that's like three millimeters pointier than mine. <laughs> and uh, you see all the Chad and virgin memes. And right. that's kind of like all, all of that, even though it's everywhere, that's, that's a kind of like um, humorous reappropriation of like incel narratives mm-hmm. where it's like, here's the swaggering Chad walking around the guy that the women really want, the guy who the women being kind of like weak, submissive, like people unable to even control their like primal urges will just gravitate towards these people instead of towards the nice guys, mm, the nice guys, but I'm a who are, nice guy. Who's me. I'm the, mm-hmm. I'm the I nice guy it. who spends the, <laughs> Who spends my whole life posting about like the evil of women and the inevitability of like biological determinism on these subreddits. And so in America, there have been, well, I, uh, America, Canada, 
at least uh, 12 killings and uh, specifically mass shootings motivated by people with connections to incel communities. The most famous of which Ooh. is Elliot Roger in 2015, who killed six people and injured 14 others before killing himself. And this was like a, a, a foundational kind of like American crime because he released a gigantic incel manifesto after this. And so like <sighs> connecting this back, why does this relate to waifus? Why does this relate to these parasocial attractions? And the kind of like totemic creations of these like otherworldly people. You know what, Hal? What I think would be great. Could you read that description yes. of that um, the 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 waifu site? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I so for what all was the name of the what I was so the, doing, where was this from? This was from ba, 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 right here. This is from animemotivation.com. This is a list of. Um, 34 of the best anime waifus you'd get down on one knee for. And uh, I'm not going to name the, the <laughs> author because um, no, no tea, no shade, no tea, no shade. Um, so yeah. one thing that um, kind of stuck out to me as I was looking up um, waifus and just trying to get my head around like, okay, what does this really mean in, in relation to today's culture? What does this mean to me? Um, number two on the list, Amelia from um, ReZero. Did I say that right, Pax? Am I, I haven't seen this one. Yeah, 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 you got it, you got it. Here's a description. She's not the type to deceive without pure intentions, and she's loyal almost to a fault. <gasps> to me, this is what I love most about Amelia. That kind of purity is hard to come by in a real, authentic way. And, and to me, Ooh. that really summarized a lot of different um, narratives that I've seen online, on Facebook, on Reddit, all of these different narratives of this is what I love about this two-dimensional character and what you cannot find anywhere else in real women. Um, which, mm. which then, I mean, that's, that's just blatantly, that is what, that's how you view women. That's it. You, you set them up to unrealistic standards, these impossible standards without really understanding that, of course, that's what you love about this girl. Of course, that's what you love about her. That's how she was written. That's how she was made. She was made yeah. to be lovable for that reason and for this particular narrative. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's Unpack marketing. that, man. Unpack it's, the commodity. It's yeah. marketing. It's all about aiming towards a specific customer base um, because people know that when they're writing these or maybe someone who is creating these characters is has a similar narrative running in their head, which influences the characters that they create. Um, like you can... There's always that, uh, like the Bechdel test. You can always tell, like, when something, um, you know, like the Bechdel test is probably a good way to determine, like, how waifus are viewed, um, especially by, like, incel uh, communities. Um, like, if you can get for people who don't know the Bechdel test, what is it? So, it, and and correct me if I if I waver a little bit. The Bechdel test is essentially like it's any piece of literature, a movie, movie, show, anything where that features female characters, but their characters and their stories don't revolve around a man at any point. Like, like if it can pass the Bechdel test, it's not, it, it means that they are individual characters that are not necessarily related to a man's storyline or, or in any way, yeah, shape or form. And, 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 and it's a bare minimum. It asks whether it features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. Right. At least once. And an added thing is often that they at least must have names. <laughs> and like, That's you would be so shocked how many few requirements. <laughs> That's 
I know. And yet there are so few fucking movies that pass this and right. TV shows and like everything. So few that pass this where maybe you'll have just one token female character who never meets another except when they do to talk about their romance and love. And it's like nuts. And uh, also shout out Alison Bechdel, the uh, creator of Fun Home. Uh, yeah. Who, who made the test. But uh, um, right. Uh, so, uh, so so what I was saying was just like if you look at the Bechdel test and if you look at all of that, um, you can always tell when a character has been written by a man or someone who has a similar narrative running in their head and is able to sell that worldview to other people. Yeah, totally, totally. So, so let's dive into, um, I think I, I kind of want to just so we don't skim over it too much. Cause I think there's a little more here to talk about finding when I was saying, why do I have empathy for incels? And I, th- I think that us talking about like the state of modern dating and the state of like loneliness and trying to form human attractions. And then like the, the siren song on the Rocky coast from the 2d waifus with their big donk, donk donks and then titties. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how would you describe kind of like the, the state of like modern dating, especially for someone who like may not have very many social skills. Okay. So we, we talked about this earlier and, and you made an interesting point in that. And, and you know, please, no one come to my house and hurt me. But, but I, and at first I disagreed with you when I said this, when, when you said this, but I understood what you mean. Dating is one of the few situations, very few situations. Very few, very few. In which men find themselves at a bit of a disadvantage. Yeah. And, and that is not to say that, that validates any man who, who you know, acts outrageously at the dating scene or, or is a creep or, 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 you know, breaks all these, these lines. But, but I mean, especially with social media nowadays, how do you, how do you initiate conversation? How do you initiate that kind of relationship? Um, there's, and there are so many different expectations on how that relationship should commence, but no specific way to go about it. Yes. Yeah. And so if you are like, like let's, let's say we're taking online dating I hear stories of people who are like, I feel like I swipe right a hundred times and like one person swipes right back on me. Or I feel like I try to initiate a conversation and I get left on red or these things. And like nine times out of ten, there's a really great reason why right. you're left on red. Like maybe your profile pictures are ass. Maybe your open lines are ass. Maybe you should just get on Bumble where some of this stuff is reversed. Maybe right. you're just an asshole and a creep. You might just have a and, really bad personality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yet there is something where I think men getting fed this kind of toxic masculinity in the sense that like – if you are not uh, a man enough, if you can't talk about like your own body dysmorphia or insecurities or, you know, whatever it is, like maybe feeling like you're not a man enough, is your voice not deep enough? Are you not tall enough? Are you not strong enough? You know, do you, do, do you have noticeable hips, <laughs> you know, or, or like whatever? Um, I think a lot of people uh, are not taught to are not given the opportunity to kind of improve themselves and are kind of left with a, with what they feel is the, the only choice is to externalize this and make it a problem with the world. But more, moreover, there are some people who are intense misogynists in the incel community. It's a huge correlation. But um, when I was writing uh, one of my papers in college, I, I spent a few weeks researching incel culture and like being on some of these forums. <sighs> Dude, and the, the, the thing that scares me most about the incels or that makes me the saddest is the concept of taking the, 
the black pill. And, and the black pill, for those of you listening, if you've like heard the mate, if you've seen the Matrix, there's like the red pill, the blue pill. And this is sort of an extension of this. So uh, exactly. There's, it's like the, the blue pill and the, the red pill. And in, in Reddit lore, I guess the blue pill would represent like mainstream feminism. The red pill would represent anti-feminist, you know, uh, 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 rage and, you know, most men are suppressed. But like taking the black pill is, I wouldn't even describe it as a middle ground. It is saying that like the whole system is broken. I am broken. I lost the genetic lottery. I am hopeless. I am ugly. I am unfunny. I am uncharismatic. I am lost, and my choices are either wait to die or take matters into my own hands or just, you know, fall down the rabbit hole and become a hikikomori or just, you know, live an isolated life where my only solace because I've never felt love or can't recall feeling love and support is in my kind of parasocial relationships with celebrities or 3D idols or uh, my waifus. And, man, this is something where... I think that this is like a, a broader sad topic about what causes people to fall into these traps and what causes people to form these unhealthy relationships with these waifus and these unhealthy dynamics. And I think that the societal reasons are kind of like innumerable. You talk about just like the fact that we're the first generation that's going to live less uh, live less than our parents. We're going to die sooner. We're going to retire poorer. We're going to wind up in a lower class than our parents in terms of the average thing. And uh, – I I think that despite a lot of like despicable narratives coming out of the incel community, there's a part of me where my heart goes out to some of what they're going through. Where I'm like, ah, oh, God, this is dark. This is dark. You know what I mean? It's very dark. And, and and the hardest part about it is that you know we all have these feelings within us. We we are all capable yeah. of feeling loneliness. We're all capable of feeling isolated. Um. And a lot of times, whether or not we feel those, feel those things are, it's circumstantial at, at best. You know, a lot of times it, um, it really does truly feel as though it is out of your control or, or it is simply a matter of luck. Or, or if you are really, really like internalizing all of this, you can feel like it's, you know, like divine judgment that you are, that you are being forced to be this way, that you are, that is not within your control. And, and I feel like taking the black pill as you said, is almost like a, it sounds to me almost like a release, a, a, yeah, um, yes, it sounds yes. as though you're like, like, um, you're holding a really, really heavy weight. You're like Sisyphus trying to push the boulder <gasps> up and down the hill. And yeah. every time you get to the crest, it falls back down the other side. It would be like Sisyphus, like taking his hands off the boulder and then, then like going and assaulting someone <laughs> like that would be, <laughs> That to me would sound like taking the black pill, um, yeah, or f falling down and being crushed by the boulder. Right, 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 and right, just, right. Yeah, and just being like, mm, not my problem anymore. I am relieved of this responsibility um, and this weight. And ugh, gosh, it's so heavy. <laughs> it is so heavy. But so I think that this is where we kind of get to an area of like personal accountability and things like this because there is a kind of like uh incel there's a doomer to bloomer pipeline where you you can kind of come out of this and i would i would say contrapoints is a great youtube video essayist and she has a great video on incels and incel culture and kind of like 
how to get out of this, where the hope is, because at the end of the day, there are steps to be made in, in progress. And I hope that whoever's in this situation, like, finds some type of, like, light or reason or inspiration to kind of take this accountability and belief, especially because social media can be so toxic in perpetuating these things. And here's the thing. I think that there's two ways to deal with your your waifu. You can either take this in a sense where uh, I feel alone in modern dating. I feel undesirable. I'm old and still a virgin and haven't like found a way out of this. I'm like obsessing over these things and the internet is teaching me to obsess over these things. But like we, we, we I, I loved the, po- the, the description you gave of like, I think it was uh, Rin, was it in mm-hmm. Fate Zero? Mm-hmm. That character, the idea of like, the great purity of the unimaginable, something that would be unfathomable for 3D women to, <laughs> to create. Yeah. Only 2D women could do this. And that's a common thing of just like, this is my 2D waifu. I've given up on 3D women because reality is imperfect on like my 2D wife. But so I think that at the same time, you know, we could view this really darkly, but like a lot of people, when you talk about your waifu and things like this, you can either view it as like um, this, this, unfathomable dream that you could sink into like the matrix where it's just, I'm just going to give up and this is my reality or it can just be aspirational and you can find some joy and happiness in it and some fucking balance. You know what I mean? Like maybe your waifu and like the, the hope that your waifu and the parasocial relationship you get from like the characters you have. Hell, I have parasocial relationships with the stuffed animals that I'm hoping up now (laughs) with with my little beanie baby tubes where like they have personalities and you invest them with things. And yet I don't sink into the world where I'm like, only my beanie babies (laughs) understand me. You know what I mean? Um, And so there, there's some aspiration here. What do you think an ideal waifu relationship looks like? Could it provide some hope for getting out of this? Absolutely it could. I mean, I mean, and I have something, and you can tell me if this doesn't quite qualify, but, but no, I'm me, kind of feeling me, like it does. So I have sort of like a parasocial relationship. So I recently just became a fitness trainer. I'm trying to get back into shape. I'm trying to push myself. And as you know, I'm a huge DBZ buff. And like, there'll be moments which I'm like, I'm working, I'm getting hurt. Like it hurts. I'm dying. I feel like I'm dying. And there'll be a moment where I'm like, you know what? Vegeta wouldn't bitch out of this. He would not. He wouldn't puss out of this right now. Okay, here we go. And so like, I just jump right back in. And um, I I mean, of course, that's ridiculous. Do I really think like, you know, Vegeta is going to descend down from the planet Vegeta and like assist me in my workout? No, but but I I do understand that the message behind the character is that is tenacity. It is not giving up. It is um, taking that fire and putting it within your own story. And that is more than that, that. That is very healthy because it doesn't take over my life. I don't you know, I don't have my Vegeta body pillow out in company. Um, (laughs) and, um, and it helps me better myself. It helps push me to better myself. And and if you have something that has that same sort of relationship with you, where it pushes you to want to be better, or it makes you, gives you a little bit of peace, or it makes you better just by looking at it, then, then I think that's, that's absolutely what the ideal relationship should be. That's a, that's a perfect analogy, man. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's it. That's, that's, that's it aspirational versus you know a, a panacea and, is, and is control it, is, like it's not about control and that's something that that you and i have discussed about the weird relationship between like waifus and like your para, parasocial attraction is like a lot of it is about you know this dominance this getting this control over this relationship that you don't have in your own life um mm, and yeah. whereas like having this aspiration helps you take back a little bit of that control for yourself 
and not exert it over something else. Yeah. And so if you could feel some like love or hope or like uh, joy in interacting with like this wife who say you love, say you love princess bubblegum and how smart she is or, you know, or, or whatever it is, like this kind of path can serve to, you know, you ask yourself like, would Rin, the maid from Fade Zero, would she want to just take care of you as you descended into a fog and just lived a life that was a slow suicide where every day you felt your body disintegrating more and more, your heart giving up, you feel the weight of oblivion on your chest like a sack of rocks until you were slowly crushed by it and the lifeline breaks. Do you think Rin wants to be sitting next to you on your bed holding your hand being like, there, there, sweetie. Death will come soon. You know, it's okay. Death will come soon. <laughs> Fuck no, man. Fuck no. All of these people. Let that. Let it be that aspiration of you. I mean, if you're going to create a character, at least make it a character who wants the best for you. Right, <laughs> you right, right, right. Mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that, you know, even if you, you have these, these parasocial relationships and attractions and attachments, let it be your path out instead of your, your, your shackles, you know, right. instead, and instead of the a- thing that keeps you connected here. Yeah, make it a part of you, you know, help it enhance you as a person rather than rather than trying to become part of that world. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you, you bring up you, that brings it all together for me. Because at the end of the day, any parasocial relationship is actually, and I want, I want you to listen to this, people out there, any parasocial relationship is actually just a relationship with yourself it really is it is a relationship with yourself and whatever totem or or creation or dream that you are manufacturing it is you looking at the mirror getting love from yourself and your own fantasy and joy and enjoyment and so any goodness that you get from that it must reside in you it must reside in you because you created it in the first place. You created what you saw because it's you seeing it. And so if that is inside of you, use that as a reason to get up in the morning and go about your day. Know that all of that joy that you see inhabited in that other character is joy that you can give to other people because you are giving it to yourself. Is is yeah, Of course, these waifus, they're not real. It is you finding a form of self-love in a very in a very unique way in a very unique way it really is and so um i think we've kind of unpacked the the healthy waifu relationship already um and here's the thing like the way you mentioned rin that's always going to be problematic right the idea of you know the pure little maid is always going to be problematic because you're not going to find it in real life because real girls fart get over it (laughs) right um but just like any kink uh or, or fetish like explore whatever you want like what you want be attracted to what you want but acknowledge the problematic natures of it and just let that always be aware because like it's insane like how how much my own life improved when I was like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to like beat myself up for like being attracted to this thing or liking this thing or doing this, doing that. But I'm also not going to blind myself to it and pretend that there's no – that there wouldn't be any problematic thing if this were to be manifested in real life. Of course. You know I, mean? I don't actually want an octopus monster to rampage through the countryside tearing uh, men and women out of their homes. <laughs> <laughs> so keep that shit in 2D. Keep that shit in 2D. Um, uh, and similarly, uh, there's a fucking weird thing with Asian waifus because a lot of the waifus we talk about, you know, we're in our, our 20s now. But we form these relationships when we're young. And so, right. like, on paper, 
if we're still thinking about like, damn, I went on the Rule 34 subreddit and there's some cool Katara porn or, you know, <laughs> or whatever. You know, it's Prince Zuko and Katara finally. Um, those are minors. <laughs> those yeah, are technically yeah. minors. And so that's a that again and again, you're still the same person you were back then. You explored whatever you explored back then. Just acknowledge that fact that that would be weird in real life. Right, <laughs> right, right. Problematic nature of it. Knowledge is power, kids. Knowledge, knowledge is, is power. power. And then enjoy. <laughs> and then enjoy. So, um, anything else you have to say in terms of like forming a healthy relationship with your waifu? <laughs> no, just like you said, forming a <laughs> healthy relationship. <laughs> Treat her right. Wash right, her hair. Right, right, hold right. her hand. Cherish her. Um, <laughs> also important. Also important. Having an important relationship with yeah. your waifu or any parasocial attraction is really just having a healthy relationship with yourself, which is what, yeah. which is what we are really trying to encourage you to do is try to find ways, just like we are doing for ourselves, uh, try to find ways to have a healthy relationship with yourself in whatever small, weird, fucked up way that you feel is necessary or you feel drawn to explore that explore that acknowledge the problems within it and then continue to explore if if it if you find that you are able to acknowledge like okay this wouldn't happen in real life i can acknowledge that um like we said just just be kind to yourself that being said i do have my ultimate waifu (laughs) hell yeah we've talked about a lot some dark stuff here i think this was a important we talked about some historical stuff and some like real like uh some real facts today some real darkness but coming back in back into the light as i look into the eyes of my waifu and you look into yours mm. whose eyes are they <laughs> who is your ultimate waifu <laughs> oh man it was a tie but but i'm gonna say who it is cypher from castlevania <gasps> oh god it's so good <laughs> Cypher. Easy. Uh, oh god. Why is it Cypher? She's the <laughs> she is just she she is so snarky. She's so snarky. Yeah. She's like she like from the very beginning, like Trevor saves her from this un untimely death. And she's just like, oh, why didn't you get here sooner? <laughs> like, oh, why yeah. why are you rude right now? Why are you being rude as you as he saves her life, and, and she's very much like that kind of ideal, real human being that reacts to all of these things with like real understanding, real maturity, um, and and she has empathy for other people, eh? but she also doesn't allow like a certain. She doesn't. <sighs> the problem that I have with a lot of different waifus is that like um, there's this weird love for girls who are like. Shy and timid, and I, yeah. I'm really just looking for the confidence to stand up for myself. And oh, Naruto, thank you for teaching me how to do that. And like, I don't fuck with that. I don't like that. Um, I think it's it's really ooh, degrading. Ooh. I think it's really degrading. Real, and s- real quick, pulling you out here because I, I gotta speak on that. I gotta speak on that because that's one of the most fucked up waifus. Is the is the? I mean, one there's the like I'm a four thousand year old vampire in the body of an eight year old. You know where <laughs> that's fu- that's extra fucked. But the second most fucked. That's so. Thank you for mentioning that because like that can be so poisonous because the idea is like, and here's this creature who's so timid that relies on me for everything, and I'm the one person they can talk to. It's I am the, the solipsistic center of their wrong. universe. That's yeah, what yeah, it yeah. is. That's why there are so many yeah, white knights out yeah. there. And like I don't. Um, 
the the type of person, not the hate group. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> not the white knights and the grand dragons. Right, the- <laughs> right, 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 not them. Um, but like that's something that I don't fuck with. I hate that. It makes me feel gross. It makes me feel like like weird to be a man watching this right now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and like Saifa, you never see that in Saifa's character. You see her as a real human being, not just as like a girl. She is a, a full grown woman engaging in these real world situations. And I just love that. I just love, love how she's written. She's so strong. She could kill your enemies. She's probably a better fighter than Trevor. I was going to say, like, she's better than all of them. Honestly, the only she's reason a- she's not better than Alucard is because he's a half vampire, which is bullshit flawless choice man flawless choice and on the subject of white knights and grand dragons the one light upside is that some of these like alt alt right types who also wind up being incels inevitably in finding their japanese 2d waifus they are inadvertently encouraging miscegenation (laughs) 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 you know they are they are race mixing and so at least there's an upside (laughs) the white supremacist (laughs) incel waifu oh my god so, are you ready for mine? Yes. Well, mine would be uh, San, a.k.a. Princess Mononoke, motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> A.k.a. Shit. the Princess of the Wolves, San, from Princess Mononoke. I love, I mean, just like real real life, I... There's a couple people in my life who 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 uh, fit the the profile of of sexy forest loving witchy wolf woman, and you know who you are. Yes. <laughs> but like one of my favorite types of individuals, also an environmentalist and someone who is really staunch in her beliefs, unyielding, stubborn, but coming from a place of like love and nature and fierceness. Like I, when I see San, I, I, I just see like so much room for hope and learning and someone who like teaches um who, who is willing to like teach and share with you their world while not compromising at all on their own like strength autonomy and like individuality i love princess mononoke and ironic because it was like the one of the first anime things i ever saw i was like mm. a young i was a young kid who at that point i just thought who's this cool bitch sucking like poisonous blood out of like her wolf mother's neck which was badass but like the reasons I really like her now are just truly out of like respect and her well-roundedness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just look at her and I'm like, that is a fully fleshed out, amazing person. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. For sure. And so that said, uh, you see us loving and nurturing our wife who's a lot here. The love that we're praising <laughs> and heaping on them. Um, and it could be nice when you can find some of these qualities in people in real life. You know, that's facts. You know, I love a good environmentalist guy, <laughs> you know, tree hugging. Uh, if you hug that tree good, I know you're going to hold me tight at night. Um, and same thing with Saifa, dude. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, man, if uh, you respect yourself, um, like, like she does and like nurture your mind and just like, don't give a fuck about, about like fitting different standards that are just harmful to you. Yeah. Um, then you're going to be perfect for another person because you are a fully fledged individual. You are a real person who has their own dreams and aspirations and is willing to go for them. And that makes you the perfect waifu. Makes you the perfect waifu. And so uh, everybody out there, uh, one, I do want to say, if you identify as an incel or know someone who'd be willing to chat, I would happily have a conversation with somebody on the pod who is in a, a place like this or, or to ask them about their perspective on these things. That would be fascinating. You know we're coming at this from a place of empathy and love. So putting that out there. But uh, more importantly, 
your waifus and your husbandos we got to know them please (laughs) send us them please hit us up on facebook hit us up on twitter uh email us send us those those lists of those those guys and gals that get your heart a flutter in oh i forgot to mention garnet from steven universe there's a lot of american waifus for for me it was uh aaron and nakiri was my um from food wars was my runner (gasps) up Oh, is that the god tongue girl? Mm-hmm. Show me what that god tongue do, girl. <laughs> okay, so uh, everybody, I think that's a good place to end off, right, Hal? Yeah, everyone, thank you all so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or review us on your favorite podcasting app. It really, really makes a difference, and every review counts. And we'll make sure to give you a shout-out on the air next time to show our appreciation. All right, everyone, I'm Hal. And I'm Pax. And we're the Brotakus. <laughs> See you next time, everyone. See ya. Bye. Whoa. These bullets coming at you. Take these bullets for me. That's my grimy waifu. Uh, they steady thumping in two. Take these bullets for me. That's my. Oh, oh, oh man, you know what I'm saying? I ain't got no bird.